Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. And I've called it Be Someone or Be Somebody. Be Somebody. You think, oh, it sounds like a TED Talk (laughs) or a motivational talk. Well, not really. And uh, you'll understand as we get into this. But I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you saw something that needed to get done. And then someone or somebody (laughs) said these words, (laughs) somebody should do something about that. If I, you know, had, I don't know, a dollar for every time I've heard that I'd be a very rich man and so would you. And the fact is, looking for that person called somebody, well, they don't actually exist, somebody or someone. They go by different names. They. (laughs) They should do something. Someone should do something. Somebody should do something. Uh, Well, they, somebody, someone, don't actually exist with that name. Isn't it frustrating to see something that needs to get done, but there's no somebody, there's nobody to do it? And even more so, when you see it, you know you'd love to do it. Let's just assume uh, good motives, that everybody has good intentions when they say somebody should. Uh, But they don't feel like they could. And it's frustrating to see all of the needs that are out there in our community, our world, the church, and, and not to be able to see it, to see a need, and not be able to address that need and to have to declare somebody should do something about it. It's it's a frustrating and and often a heartbreaking experience, especially when sometimes it's something that needs to get done uh, is things that involve children or or the weak or the elderly or something. And so that's where we're going this morning. Be somebody. Be somebody. Now, when it comes to grace, and we, we've, again, we've been looking at uh, grace from an acronym, G-R-A-C-E. Grace has five letters in it, and, uh, and so I've broken this down. Every time I preach this, uh, there's so many aspects to grace that uh, I've preached to where the G meant to go, and the R, uh, I think, meant to reach or something, and the A, active, and the C was creative. One year I preached it that way. Uh, there's many, many aspects to grace, so we're not going to put grace in a box, but we looked at the G means this time around the gospel. We're, we're emphasizing G for the gospel, to take the gospel, the good news uh, of Jesus Christ into the world, to all the nations. And, and the R, we've again preached that uh, last week, the R is raising generations or make disciples. We're to go with the gospel, but we're also to make disciples of, of the nations. We're to raise generations here in this church to reach nations. And th- this morning, we're, we're going to emphasize the A in grace. And I want to go to um, Matthew chapter 11, in verse 2 and 3. It says, when John, who was in prison, John is Jesus' cousin, uh, otherwise known as John the Baptist, and he's in prison, he's going to get beheaded, 
He knows his days are numbered. And he's fully expecting Jesus to take authority over the governments and to do what the Messiah, uh, what they expected the Messiah to do. And he's in prison. He heard about the deeds of the Messiah. And he sends his disciples to ask, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else or somebody? Somebody's got to do something about the situation. Caesars, the Romans taking over, uh, all of the things that are taking place here, such an abomination to these, these uh, Israelite believers. Ha, ha, should we expect somebody to do something like, aren't you going to be the somebody? And people are often quick when they see a problem to say somebody should do something about it uh, without realizing that that somebody is probably you. Somebody should grace the nations. We're raising generations, and grace is a big word. It means, uh, uh, to, it means God empowering you to do what you can't do. So what happens is people tend to define grace as just simple forgiveness. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, now I'm found, was saved um, was blind rather, now I see. And, and what a beautiful song. But grace is much more than God overlooking your sin or God forgiving you. Grace is a very powerful word. Grace is when God enables you, the hand of God enables you to do what you cannot do. So in other words, when you see something that needs to happen that someone should do something about, well, why not that someone be you? Why are we stuck in just our own abilities and our futility of trying to solve problems where God wants to engage his ability, his enablement into the situation? Now, Jesus again responds to this. We'll look at how he responds in a moment, but it's more than just God forgiving. It's, it's actually carrying the gospel, raising generations, and having a, which is this morning, the ability, have the ability to do something about what, whatever the something is that needs to get done. Rights that need to get righted. Well, why not be somebody that can actually right that wrong? Uh, I think about a sinner named Saul. This is grace in action. Sinner named Saul's on the road to Damascus and uh, has an encounter with God. He's been persecuting the church. Now, God's going to do a name change with him, switch things around, and, and now the sinner named Saul becomes a saint called Paul <laughs> who takes the gospel and does the impossible into his world. Well, how did he do that? How, how did you do that, Paul? 1 Timothy 1.14. Paul says this, he says, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Grace is when God changes your thinking from I can't to I can. It's grace is when God enables you to be somebody who does something about the something that should be done. Instead of just this should be done, and we should be, and we should, 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 and somebody should. Well, our vision here is to be somebody. It's to be the somebody in our community, in our world, 
that actually does something because we have God's ability. A, grace, G-R-A, God's ability. So our vision should always be bigger than our ability, than our natural ability. If it's, if it's achieved with our ability, well, it's too small. If it doesn't cause your heart to skip a beat and maybe take a bit of your breath away when you talk about it, like for us, grace the nations, takes the wind right out of me. If it's just achievable in our own ability, our own power, then it's probably not a vision from God. Because God's power is not limited. His, his hand, is, his, his mighty hand is not short. It's not limited to grace you and to put his hand on you. Well, what's not possible with the hand of God? It's the ability to act on God's, on God's behalf. Now, there's no point in having ability <laughs> to do things and doing nothing about the things. If God enables us, he expects us to act. And that's where grace and action comes in. To give you the ability to bind things that need to be bound. And we looked at Matthew 18, 18, great scripture there, where whatever you bind on earth, whatever you bind here on the earth that you're walking on, and one translation says it this way, it's already been bound in heaven. So things like depression, it's bound. In heaven, there's no depression. So therefore, bind it here on earth. Don't put up with it. Hopelessness and despair. Is it in heaven? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Whatever you bind here on earth, is, it's already been bound in heaven. So therefore, his will be done here on the earth. You have the ability, you have the grace, you have God's stamp of blessing on your life whenever you see these things that need to be bound here on earth, bind them up. And whatever is loosed here on earth, whatever you loose, let loose here, it's already been loosed in heaven. Things like love and joy and peace and gentleness, kindness, like all of these things, the fruit of the Spirit, they're, they're fully loosed in heaven. So let them loose here on earth. That's, that's where we need grace to do, to kick in, so that we don't look at these things and say, somebody should do something about it. Well, this morning's message is, be somebody. Why not be somebody? Every problem is an opportunity for the grace of God to come upon you. I think about a church full of people, grace-empowered people, and there's just nothing that we can't do here. We can change our community. We can rock our community. We, we can change the nations. We just have to believe that God will empower us to do that, to have the ability to loose things and to bind things here on earth that are already loosed and bound in heaven. God's given us the, the ability to take authority over depression, hopelessness, sickness and disease, despair, poverty, loneliness, all of these things. What has God given us to do here on earth? So Jesus responds in Matthew 11 back to uh, John the Baptist. Jesus says this in verse 4. Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news, the gospel, is proclaimed 
to the poor. What's that? You don't have to be poor anymore. The good news has hit your life. Blessed are you if you're poor in spirit. Why? Because the hand of God has come upon you. Now, in Matthew chapter 25, it says this. Jesus is teaching. For the kingdom of heaven, he's going to give a parable here. The kingdom of heaven. Again, now I don't want you thinking, well, that's heaven. It's nothing to do with earth. You have to think when you, somebody said, you know, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. The devil would love to sell that to, to his church. That's just a full on lie. Set your mind on things above. Get your thought life cleansed and in tune with the kingdom of heaven because that's what God's will is on earth. So when we're talking about the kingdom of heaven here and Jesus is teaching this, I don't want us to check out and go, well, someday I'm going to go to heaven and that's what it's going to be like. Well, it is going to be like that for sure, but God's got a purpose for you right here on the earth. Again, Matthew 18, 18, bind some stuff here if it doesn't line up with heaven. Loose some things here that need to be loosed because they're lo love is loose in heaven, believe me. Joy is loose in heaven, believe me. Well, it needs to be loosed on the earth. We need to loose some things here that need, need people need to be loosed. So when he's talking about heaven here, don't just think by and by when I die. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods. This is what grace is. It's God delivering you his goods. It does include forgiveness for sure. It does include a lot of things, but it also includes his ability. And to one he gave five talents, to another two to another one, each according to his own ability. I want you to notice you have abilities right now that are often just natural abilities, but they're still supernatural. Every breath that you take, you would not even be on the planet if it wasn't for the grace of God. Everything I have is because God gave it as a gift. Life is a gift. My, whatever God gave me uh, with, with natural talent, it's all a gift to God. And so God's about to dole out or distribute something supernatural, but it's going to be super on the natural. We need to look at, okay, God, you've given me some things. Now, what are you going to put your hand on what, what I've already got here to make it not just natural ability, but super natural ability. So he gives five, two, and one according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Verse 16. When he who had received five talents went and traded with them and made another five. Now that's grace. The grace is where you've got your own ability. Now God is going to give you his ability on top of that. You've got grace in just your natural ability. But now you've got supernatural now, the super on top of the natural. God's hand is now upon that. That's grace. Those talents represent grace. Another translation says uh, bags of gold. So don't, don't just think in terms of, oh, I'm talented, uh, you know, with a, the ability to sing or whatever that is. Uh, talents here is just, it's, it's, a, it's a gift. It's a, a, a sum, uh, uh, it's a parable of a sum of money. Uh, it's a talent, what God's gifted you with. Verse 17, and likewise, he who, he who had received two, grace again, gained two more, more grace. He who had received one, grace, 
went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Grace unactivated. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Sometimes the grace on our life and what God has put his hand on that we have in our heart or our natural ability, what God wants to use in us so that we can be somebody, sometimes these things have to be fought for for a very long time. And if you read, I'm going back through Genesis and going through the Bible in six months, uh, and it's amazing how long it took and how these people endured for such a long time with what God gave them to do. I remember when Gail and I first came to the coast and we started City Church, first praying for other churches, then attended a meeting, saw another pastor in his church get released from, from that church. And, and then we started at the high school with just uh, very few of us. And, and I remember looking around because over time people would visit the new church come check you out, all that kind of thing. And it seemed like every older saint that came and checked us out, uh, I'll try to be polite with this, they were either weird or super religious or condescending. There was, there was hardly anybody that came in like a breath of fresh air, like, hey, I'm here to serve whatever you want done, that actually was walking with God. Some of them had been Christians for a long, long time. And I remember I just had this question, like, burning, like, where are all the fathers of the faith? Where are they? <laughs> and I had fathers of the faith back in, you know, San Diego, when I, way back there where I got saved. I had some amazing people that had been on a journey a long time. They weren't, like, contentious, critical. I just found that these people were coming in, criticizing, pushing me, and telling me what I should be doing, and it was just terrible. Like, another one walking, I think, oh, here we go again. Like, what, what have I got? Like, where are the fathers of the faith? And that's what God shared with me. I've graced you to become one, but this is not going to be instant. This is, gonna, this is a lifetime journey <laughs> to be a father of the faith. Paul said this, you got 10,000 teachers. You got a lot of teachers. But you don't have many fathers. And Paul you know, Paul became one, but it wasn't instant. And oftentimes, whatever God's graced you to do, don't look for just instant all the time. He might have graced you to lay hands on the sick, and it's going to happen, but sometimes this grace is going to take a long time. Raising generations, this is a long-time proposition. A generation is about 40 years or whatever. It's, this is a long time. We're in this thing for a, for a, long, for a lifetime. This is not quick. And, and, I, and I want us to think when it's, in terms of grace and our ability and God put in his hand, it says, after a long time, the master came back. We're, we're, we're too much into miracles. A miracle is when God does something. God just does it. Bam. Often it doesn't really take a lot uh, of anything from the person, the, the person's ability if a miracle is going to happen. But grace is, it's miraculous. Or it's supernatural, but it's not just like a miracle where God's going to do it. Grace is when God says, you're going to do it, but I'm going to empower you to do it. 
That's the difference between a miracle and, and, and grace. Grace can often take a long time. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five came and brought another five, saying, Lord, you delivered me uh, to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents beside them. And the Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful. Faithfulness is a quality of a father. It's a, it's a quality that God's looking for when it comes to grace. Just be faithful. Faithfulness in the little things leads to faithfulness in greater things. I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So the two-talent guy, same thing. He delivers two more. Well done, faithful servant. Faithful over a few. Make you a ruler over many. Verse 24. Then he, he had received one talent. So he had ability, probably one talent ability in the natural. He came and he said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. If you think that way about God, you don't know God. You don't know Jesus if you think he's out to get you. That's not the God that we serve. Even when it came Jacob's time and he was wrestling with uh, an angel, which most people believe is a pre-incarnate Christ, and he gets his hip out of joint. And then he goes and he tells of his experience later on. He says, I've seen God face to face in the form of the Son. And he's good. And he's not angry at me. And God's not out to get you. He's out to bless you. He's out to bless your life so you can be a blessing to others. The world doesn't understand that. They rip off, you know, things that we say about blessing and prosperity and everything else to ridicule and, you know, make out we're all a bunch of money grubs and all the rest. They have no idea that we want to be blessed to be a blessing. That's the whole motivation of it all. It's the, it's the great commission. It's the commission that God gave Abraham. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to grace your life so that you can be a blessing to others, to the nations. That's the gospel. That's the good news. It's not, I'm going to bless you so you can hoard it up and be stingy and rude to everybody and build a, you know, bigger palaces and house, put a gate around the whole thing and keep all these other people out. No, God wants to bless you to be a blessing. He says, I knew you to be a hard man. You did not know the Lord. The start of, of grace and receiving grace and carrying grace is to know God. It's to get to know him personally. That's why you can come boldly to the throne of grace in time of need. How are you going to approach his throne if you don't know him and you think he's a hard taskmaster? You're going to approach his, his, his throne with, on your knees begging all the time and, and fearful. And, and there is a fear of the Lord for sure, but that's not it. God wants to, he wants you, he wants you to be a friend of him. He wants to be your father and your friend. Now, I've got a son. He's, I'm his father and I'm his friend. I know the difference when he's growing up. I know when I had to put the father cap on and say, no, stop that now. <laughs> but I also knew how to be a friend. When there's something he needs to talk about, he comes to father 
and he knows he's got a friend there, not somebody that's going to swat him, not somebody that goes, I know you to be a hard man. I, I, I can't approach the throne of, uh, of dad, you know, without fear and trepidation. I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, here's what's yours. Well, we back, back it up, verse 24. I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, which is true, that's grace. Gathering where you have not scattered seed, that's true because that's grace. I was afraid and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what's yours. But his Lord answered. Oh, the answer here is really intriguing and uh, puzzled me for a very long time. I didn't really understand why the, I got the lazy bit, but not the wicked bit. His Lord answered and said to him, you wicked. What's wickedness? The opposite of good. He told the other, the five and the two talent guys, uh, well done, good and faithful. The opposite of goodness is wicked or evil. He says, you wicked and lazy. The opposite of faithfulness is laziness. You lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown. Notice he didn't say you knew that I was hard and you were right. No. He leaves that bit out because it's not true. You didn't know me at all. Lord, Lord, depart from me. I don't even know you. You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown. Grace. Gather where I have not scattered seed. Grace. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from the one guy, the one talent guy, and, and, and give it to the guy that has ten talents. That's not fair, God. Exactly. God's not fair. He's just. But he's not fair. For everyone who has grace, more grace will be given. And he will have abundance, but from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Not a really good uh, outcome. Not a good thought, actually. I got a, a revelation on this. I, I understood the uh, good and faithful and I understood the lazy bit, but I didn't get the wicked bit until sitting down at the beach thinking about how to share the gospel with some uh, Muslim friends of mine, and how, to, how, to, how to get uh, an illustration so they would understand the gospel message versus what they had grown up with, religion. And God showed me uh, uh, the, the tower there where the life Saver, lifeguards up in the tower looking out there, looking for people, putting their hand up that are drowning. And this guy in the tower is like equipped to the hilt. He's got a jet ski down the bottom, you know, surf ski. He's got flotation devices. He's got a, a radio with a loudspeaker on it. And on top of that, trained to the hilt, done nippers since, you know, could breathe. All the way up now, knows how it's got a six pack, big arms, can go out there and save somebody, no problem. So, so what, what, what would happen if somebody's out there in the surf and they put their hand up? They're drowning. And this, this person that's up there looking sees the hand, oh, I see that hand. And then 
picks up the microphone, just attention swimmer, I see your hand, serves you right, you idiot. You know, you shouldn't have been out there. You, you've just drifted outside the flag. Uh, you, you, I can't, I'm not going to save you. You're stupid and the guy drowns. What would the Sunshine Daily newspaper and the media say the next day? Lifeguard sees person in distress. They put their hand up. Everybody on the beach saw it. Others went out maybe to help and save the person, but does nothing about it. They wouldn't just be called lazy. <laughs> they would be called wicked. That's a wicked thing. To be able to do something to solve a problem and not to do anything about it. When God has given us so much ability on top of our natural ability to do something about something and we just say somebody should do something about it and God's saying, why don't you be somebody? I will grace your life when you will put your hand up and say, I'm going to go and do what somebody should do. That's the message. So this guy with the one, he doesn't, he doesn't use it because he's, oh, I knew you were hard. You're not. I knew that you sow where you, you reap where you didn't sow and gather where you didn't, you know, scatter and all the rest of it. Well, that's true. That's grace. But he doesn't know the person in the life, in the tower. He doesn't understand that the Lord can be your father and your friend. And the receiving grace, the, 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 the way to receive it is know the grace giver. You're absolutely and unconditionally loved by him. To be somebody, you have to know somebody. The good fight of faith is to trust the good source of grace. It's always by grace, God's ability. It's why, why did the one talent man invest his talent? I was afraid. I, I, I can't invest my talent. I, I'm afraid. Well, Jack Hayford said this. How would you treat a friend who lied to you as often as your fears do? How would you treat somebody? Because that's a big lie. God's not out to get you. When grace shows up, God's ability shows up. So you don't, you don't lack the ability to do whatever he's called you to do. Cast out demons, heal the sick, forgive uh, sin, raise the dead. If you want to see grace in action, look at Jesus. Just look at Jesus. If you want to know what does grace look like, grace personified is Jesus, full of grace as he walks through the earth. He doesn't once deny anybody of, of a request. He doesn't say, no, I'm not going to do that. I, I, I put sickness on you to teach you a lesson. No, how Je Acts 10.38, I think it is, how Jesus Christ of Nazareth went about doing good. And healing, A-L-L, all who were sick, and here's the source of it all, who were sick and oppressed of the devil. That's grace in action. The somebody was him. Now the somebody is the body of Christ. Guess who they are? Well, I'm preaching to him right now, and I'm part of it. The somebody that should do something is you and I. So God's, God's called us with an amazing vision to grace the nations. 
But what happens with us is we get a distorted view of who we are, and that takes over. And that's where fear, uh, that, that, that's, that's what stops so many people from uh, doing something about something or being somebody, is they look at their own ability or their lack of ability, let me put it that way. Like the one talent guy, I was listening to uh, a, a psychologist uh, during the week, and he made this statement. He said, the more people use I and me when they're talking, I and me and I and me and me and I, he says, the bigger chance that they're going to be depressed and in despair because they've got their eyes on themselves, their own performance. Trying to please God through your performance is cold-hearted religion. You won't step into grace until you step out of you. Realize the narrative is not you. You're not the hero of the story. You're not the center of the universe. I knew God to be a hard tech. No, God is not a hard tech. God is a, not a hard man. God is good all the time. All the time somebody says, God is good. God is full of grace. God is uh, full of mercy, full of compassion towards you. Stop the religious stuff. Get your eyes off of you and get your eyes onto him. He is for you. He loves you. He wants to have relationship and fellowship with you. And when you get to know him, all of a sudden now grace will start start to flow into your life. And fear has to go. Fear is just being more aware of your inability and your own shortcomings. Grace doesn't operate on your shortcomings. That's not even humility. That's been sold as a lie as well, that, you know, humility is, I'll just talk about myself really bad, and I'm a humble person. I'm just nothing, you know. It's just nothing. I'm just a nothing. I'm a one talent. Why don't you become a two-talent? Because even a one-talent becomes a two-talent when the hand of God comes on. We're talking about grace the nations here. We're not talking about your ability, my ability. We're talking about being a candidate for the ability of God to enable us. So sin, sin will distort that. I remember being at an amusement park years ago when I was a child, and, and they had this mirror there that was like wavy. You'd stand in front of the mirror, and I was skinny as a rail, but I looked like a sumo wrestler. <laughs> and then I'd step back, and all of a sudden, I'm really skinnier than what I am <laughs> because the mirror was distorted. And when you look into the mirror of your own self, you're going to see a very distorted view of what God has for you in the future. You've got to look into the mirror of God's Word. Like a man looking into a mirror, you see the Word of God, and what God says about you is the truth, not what the devil says about you, not your own uh, short-sightedness and your own track record and your own fears and all the rest of it. Get into the Word of God and see what God actually says about you. You are the apple of His eye. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, not my own ability. Now, God, put your hand, your enablement, your grace on my life so I can be somebody. We don't want to say, I want to be somebody. Oh, that's so arrogant. Who do you think you are? child of God. That's who I think I am. But sin will distort that, call you a failure. People think, oh, I've fallen from grace. You don't fall from grace, my friend. You fall into grace. 
You might have fallen from something into sin, for instance, but you don't fall from grace. You fall into grace. Grace is where God's hand picks you up when you're just smart enough to say, I repent of that, or God, forgive me for being so stupid, or whatever it is. God, I want your hand right now to lift me back up so I can still be somebody despite whatever it was that happened. Don't fall from grace. Rise up by faith. So grace is always a gift, but you can't leave it in the box. So how is grace activated? Again, um, the A in our uh, G-R-A-C-E is the ability, but it's got to be activated. Otherwise, it just stays as something potentially you could have done a lot, but you never did because you weren't activated. Well, Ephesians 2, we've looked at this before, but it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. The on button of grace is faith. It's faith. It's the gift that activates all the other gifts. It's acting on God's promises, not just a belief in his favor, but you have to step out. So grace becomes an action word because faith demands action. This message this morning of ability that you don't have I could have very well said that A stands for action. I haven't preached it that way in the past. It's to be active because faith demands action. Faith without works is dead, but faith doesn't come by works and grace doesn't come by works, but there is an outworking of it. Do you understand that? So faith is the on button of grace. Faith is the gift that activates all of the gifts. How do you activate grace? I'm going to fly through this. It's got three things to give to you. Number one, taking notes. Delight yourself in the Lord. Scripture for that is Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Two ways that can be taken. Number one would be he'll give you the actual desire that you'll actually desire something that you don't right now. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. When your desire lines up with his desire, he will give you the grace to fulfill that, to be somebody, to fulfill that desire. Do you understand that? So delight yourself in the Lord. What motivates you? What burdens do you carry? Delight yourself in the Lord. Do you have a burden for the sick or the lost or, or young people or old people? Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you those desires. How is, how is grace activated? Delight yourself in the Lord. Number two, how do you activate grace? Spend time with active people. <laughs> what grace does, uh, what grace does that person carry that if you get around them, you'll start to carry that? If you spend time with a helps person or mercy or compassion or faith or generosity or prayer, whatever that is, you start to spend time with people that are active in, in, in grace, you'll start to become, you'll start to find that that starts to flow. Number three, use what you have. A couple scriptures on this, Romans 12, 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace given to us, let us use them. You won't ever find out what grace you've been given if you just 
hide it and never use it. Oh, that's not. You can fill that out if you want, but if you don't ever use whatever the results are and start to get active, a waste of time, quite frankly. Uh, use them. First Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful, good and faithful, stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I believe that the church's single biggest contribution to society is to extend grace. Your family needs your grace. The church needs your grace. This world needs your grace. This world desperately needs you to be somebody. So the question that I'll leave you with, will you be somebody? Somebody to do something about it. Somebody that's a candidate to say, God, put your hand on my life and let's get after some things that are beyond my natural ability. What a great journey it is. And if you do that, you'll enter into the most exciting thing on the planet, being somebody that God uses for his purposes. Amen. Let me pray. And uh, I'm aware that you could be here and not know Jesus Christ or watching on, on YouTube uh, or listening to the podcast and, and not know Jesus. And our desire, first and foremost, is that you know him. Say, so how do I do that? Simple. You turn from your way. You just give him your life. So I'm going to pray a prayer and you're going to pray this after me and mean this in your heart. You'll be on a an awesome journey. We'd love to give you a Bible, same place at the information desk, and get you started in your Christian faith. And yes, uh, you're invited to that discovery lunch as well. So pray this after me. Say, Dear God, I'm thankful for your son Jesus. I turn from my ways to your ways. Jesus, I give you my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.